This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. All right, let me stop playing. Let me stop playing. All right, man. There's so many places I could start here, but let's start with the NFC East. So the Cowboys, they won last night, but come on. I watched two minutes of that game. That's all I needed to see. And I could tell that the Saints had no chance. Because it it took me a few minutes to see that Taysom Hill threw a terrible pass that should have been picked off, but his tight end just happened to catch it. I was like, if that's what it's going to be like, they're going to be in trouble. And credit to the Saints for keeping it close. But in the fourth quarter, Taysom Hill... Threw more passes like that, and sure enough, they got ran off. 27 to 10. The backbreaker was a pick six. Go figure. You got to be kidding me. So we shouldn't have to worry about the Saints in the wild card race. Uh, They have the tiebreaker over Washington football, but they lost to the Giants. They lost to the Eagles. So those are tiebreakers they won't have. So they just further digging themselves into a hole. But this ain't about the Saints. It's about the Cowboys. So they won the game. I mean, come on. They were clearly the better team. It wasn't really a challenge for them. Okay, fine. So they're 8-4. Washington football is 5-6. But they play against the Raiders this weekend, and I expect them to lose. But to be honest, I expected them to lose the last three weeks and credit to them, they won. I thought they were going to lose against the Bucks. I was in attendance. They dominated in the fourth quarter and ran away with that one. Carolina, I thought it was a bad matchup because I thought their defense was going to suffocate them. And no, they moved the ball on them too. And then Cam was back. I thought, man, I thought that. Cam being back in his first home game and him starting, I thought that was going to be enough to carry them through. It almost was. But at the end of the day, just like against the Bucks, they just salted the clock away by running the ball. And it's just, once again, same thing against Seattle, kind of. Seattle, that was a weird game because I was watching that. I couldn't watch all of it. I had to listen to rest on the radio. But from what I saw, once again, just like the Cowboys and Saints, it didn't take me long to realize that Seattle's offense is broken. It's not the same. They don't look right. They don't look like a team that should be anywhere near the playoffs. It only took me a few minutes to realize that. But once again, just like the Saints, their defense kept them in it. I don't know how they don't score a point. Seattle, see, it was 9-9 going into halftime. And the reason why it was 9-9 because, well, Seattle was up 7-3 and then Washington scored. And then it was a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. That is the most Washington sitcom thing ever. Like, you have a good scoring drive and then you turn around and get the extra point blocked in return. That is classic Washington sitcom nonsense. And they go into halftime 9-9. And in Seattle, offense, once again, struggles. Uh, 
Washington puts together a good enough drive to, to score and go up 17-9. to They had to go for two because their kicker was hurt. And then, late in the game, they was doing their signature, what they've been doing the last three weeks. Getting late in the fourth quarter, go on a long drive, milk the clock out, and end the game. So, they was about to do the same thing. Well, okay, it was more like the Panthers game, where they were kind of doing that, but they left enough time for the opposing quarterback to play heroics. The Panthers choked in that situation, lost the game. Seattle did not choke and took it 90-something yards because they they got a fourth down stop, a controversial fourth down stop that only happened because the field goal kicker was hurt. But they took it 98, 99 yards for a touchdown. And we're going to tie the game, but Washington got the stop. I don't know why I'm going through that game. The whole point is, you know, Washington escaped and they won three in a row. There's someone to look out for. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, okay, Washington, they got the Raiders coming up in Las Vegas. There's a lot of Washington fans out there. It's a destination trip for them. They party and having fun. Their players are focused probably. But at the end of the day, I think the Raiders are going to win this time. Because it's I think that their opponent is going to win this time. Because the Raiders, their defense is okay. I mean, Taylor Heineke, I mean, if he did all this to the Panthers and the Bucks, I can't imagine what he'd do to the Raiders. And then they like to run the ball late in the game. That's not good for the Raiders either. Just keep their offense off the field. So, still. (laughs) Still. Still, still, still. I think the Raiders play enough defense to kind of make sure the time of possession is even. And then it'll be too much Derek Carr. He's going to expose that secondary. And that will put Washington. This is the whole point of it all. That'll put Washington at 5-7. and The Cowboys be eight and four. The Eagles, the Eagles are currently five and seven. They have a bye next week, but this week they play the Jets. We should win. Should. I don't know if they will. No, they they're gonna win. They're gonna win, but it's not gonna be easy. But they should win. But. You know what? No, because the Eagles have punished bad teams except the Giants. Like, they didn't punish the Giants. They let them hang around. And the Giants, I'm not going to lie, the Giants kind of outplayed the Eagles, especially on defense. They were able to force turnovers. That turnover by Jalen Hurts in the red zone late in the game, no, right before halftime, when it was seven nothing, was a was a backbreaker. We needed that one. We needed that one bad. It wasn't even seven nothing. It was like three nothing or something like that. Backbreaker. Still, the Giants are so bad that the Eagles played arguably their worst game of the season. 
and was still able to drive down the field after turning the ball over the, the drive before. The Giants are so bad. We were able to drive down the field. We're not even playing well. We still have a chance to win. But, you know, man, Jalen Rager, a.k.a. Nelson Aguilar Jr., he dropped it. He dropped two passes in his bread basket. And I'm just like, fuck. Game over. <laughs> we had them, bro. As bad as we played, we had. But with that being said, see, I'm, I'm getting off topic here. But that being said, the Eagles should beat the Jets. And they'll be six and seven going into the bye. They'd be half they be half a game ahead of the Washington football team. I don't even know the Giants play. It doesn't matter. They're probably gonna lose. So I'm expecting the Giants to lose their next game. So they'll be four and eight. The Eagles will be six and seven. Washington football team be five and seven. And the Cowboys are eight and four. The Cowboys come here to DC next week. On the 12th. They have a chance to end this. They probably will. Like, they they probably will. I can't see Washington football team beating them. Even though, I don't know. The Cowboys don't look as unstoppable as they did at the beginning of the season. They'll have to fight for it. But the Cowboys still going to win this division. Like, let's stop. Let's knock it off. Things will be made interesting if Washington beats the Raiders and then turn around and beat the Cowboys, things really get interesting then. But as of now, I, I can't see that happening. We need to slow down with the Washington football team hype because they ain't all that, bro. They not all that. They've been playing well, but they ain't all that. The Raiders, the Eagles twice, the Cowboys twice. The Giants at the end of the season. Yeah, all winnable games, but all losable games, too. <laughs> especially, oh, no. Washington football team against Dallas in Dallas, that's not a winnable game, actually. They're, they'll get killed. But we'll see. Um, I think at the end of the day, Washington football team will win one or two more games. Same thing with the Giants. The Cowboys will probably split their next few games. And the Eagles going to beat Dallas. They're going to split Washington. We're getting revenge on the Giants. So that's three wins right there. And that will put the Eagles at... That will put the Eagles at... It's one more loss. Nine and eight. I had them at 10 and seven at the preseason. What was the game we lost that I didn't expect us to lose? Um, it was the Raiders game. I didn't expect us to lose the Raiders game, but we did. So whatever, whatever. Nine and eight, one, one off. That's fine. (laughs) Or, or, or maybe I think I predicted a sweep against Washington. Well, obviously I think it's going to split now, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. NFC East going to be dope. Best belief. But we got to slow down with the Washington sitcom hype. They ain't that good, okay? 
they're not that good. And thankfully, most of the um, most of the Twitter universe that watched the game, they realized that Washington isn't that good. They know what they saw. I hope I was like, I hope they seeing what I'm seeing, and they were, and they're on to their nonsense. The only people that's really hyping them up is some of the local media. So you gonna see when they come to Philly, the Eagles gonna put it on them. So even though the Eagles aren't playing well, you still have to respect the bird. Well, we got to move on. All right. Okay. So now it's time for the Sooner School. I try not to blame the rest, but what the hell? What the hell? Well, okay, let's start with that kickoff return. This was a big play in the game. I think this put them up seven, maybe 14 points. Uh, Oklahoma State, I'm talking about. Bruh, I was like, there's no way. Because the kick return before that, they got a whole bunch of yards. I was like, there is no way their special teams is that good. And what do I see on the replay? A hold on Eric Gray, a block in the back, two block in the backs. Like, two blocks, block in the backs, and a hold. But, you know, it's this fire kickoff return. Stop. Our special teams wasn't all that bad. Now, we did have that fumbled punt return, which I don't understand how you fumble that deep in the end zone. Such a critical mistake, especially when we wasn't scoring any points in the second half. It's just, listen, they stole that one, bro. And then what, what, what makes it worse is the call of the game. Because they, they've, been, they've been missing some passing interference calls all game. But number 81, I think his last name is West. In the end zone. This was to win the game. Caleb Williams threw it up to him in the end zone. He gets grabbed by the neck. He pretty much got clothesline. No call. Wow. Get out of here. You have got to be kidding. You cannot be serious. That was pass interference. And read that pass interference. The ball is probably... I don't know. It might be at the one. It might be at the two. Then all we got to do is hand it off. We're up three. And I I doubt Oklahoma State is going to get to the 30 or 20-yard line with 20-something, 30-something seconds to go. So, yeah, okay, let's give Oklahoma State credit for capitalizing on our mistakes and playing defense. But at the same time, the refs. Those were critical plays that cost my Sooners a game, and I'm still sick about it. Oklahoma State, if they win on Saturday, they're going to the playoffs. They're barely a playoff team. They're not going to win a game in the playoffs. They're not that good to me. They're going to have to prove to me that they're actually a playoff team because I don't think so. But yet they're going to make it anyway because it's a weak, um, it's a weak field. 
it makes me sick. You got to be kidding me. And then if they lose to Baylor, Baylor's in the conversation. And I'm like, really? They're not that good either. And, and these are the two teams that Oklahoma lost to. I am sick. I am livid. You have got to be kidding me. And then if that wasn't enough, what happens a day later? Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma for USC. When I first saw it, I couldn't believe it. I thought I didn't think it was real. But, of course, just like when I found out when Kobe died, I hate to use that comparison, but just like that, it's like once you start seeing multiple credible sources and then you see USC make a post to make it official, it's like this is really happening. This is actually happening. Unbelievable. And it just seems like everything we knew about this program during the Lincoln Raleigh era, just blown to pieces. It's over. But this is Oklahoma. You got to look at the entire, entire history. Other than the 90s, Oklahoma has been spectacular. Seven national titles, a bunch of Heisman winners. One of, probably got the top five most wins of all time. Hella bowl wins. Like, this is a blessed program. They'll be back. They'll be fine. They haven't even gone anywhere. Like, what, what do we talk? What am I talking about? They'll be back. They'll be fine. We didn't even, most Sooner fans will tell you that this is one of our worst teams in years. And we still almost went undefeated. So this is a talented program. Now, the recruits leaving is kind of annoying. The people we had here that were high recruits like Hazelwood, uh, Stogner, and um, Spencer Rattler, I mean, them leaving makes sense. Like, Stogner and Hazelwood barely got the ball. Spencer Rattler fell off. Them leaving makes sense. Actually, Malachi Nelson and Relique Brown leaving makes sense. They're from California. They love Lincoln Raleigh. Lincoln Raleigh's going to California to coach for USC. It makes sense for them to stay home and follow Lincoln Raleigh. It's annoying because I was like, okay, Malachi Nelson could be the next great quarterback at OU and Relique Brown to me, is Reggie Bush Jr. So I'm like, man, that would have been great to have those guys. But we don't. I haven't even kept track of all the people we've lost because of this move. But it's annoying. And Sooner Twitter, they went crazy. I've never seen them go off on somebody like that. I mean, no one in our own program. Bruh. This is worse than KD. Like, they going off. They going the hell off. Oh, my God. Bro, I, I, all right, all right. Real quick, real quick. I got Oklahoma State versus Baylor on the first game. Just as, like, kind of background noise for this game. I mean, for this podcast. They show all these good-looking girls in Stillwater. I mean, come on. Y'all make me want to come down there. But anyway, as I'm saying, um, just wow. It looked like it's over. It looks like we ain't going to recover from this. 
But this is Oklahoma. We'll be fine. Everyone's on pins and needles waiting for the next coach. And I'm just like, it is what it is. Everyone's on pins and needles to see what recruits we're going to keep and get. And I'm just like, it is what it is. We'll be fine. And then if that isn't enough, it's something about Roy Manning, our hyped DB coach. Love that guy. He's very entertaining. So there's something about him recruiting for USC while still being on Oklahoma stat. And they kind of accuse Lincoln of doing that too. But they accuse Roy Manning of doing that after everything transpired. And I'm just like, really? Is this true? I was like, this is just a whole, like, shit show. Like, this is insane. This is crazy. I don't know if it's true or not. He can follow Lincoln Riley at USC. Screw it. Let, let them all go. Let's just start over. Screw it. We weren't winning any playoff games anyway, and that's what a lot of people come back to. We weren't winning any playoff games anyway. We weren't playing defense anyway. So it doesn't matter. I think my um thing is, so I've been hearing that Lincoln Riley been in contact with USC since September. Around that time, um, I don't know when the contact started. It either started as soon as Clay Helton got fired or it started as soon as Oklahoma announced they were going to the SEC. Let's take Lincoln Riley for his word and say he really jumped on this opportunity and really wanted to be the USC coach. That means as soon as Clay Helton got fired, he was on the phone with USC. Either way, it's annoying. Either way, it sucks. Either way, it's kind of snake behavior. But what are we going to do, bro? What are we going to do? He's gone. We got to move on. What has USC done? See, now I got to roast them. Because, you know, I'm not going to lie. USC fans are getting annoyed with us. We're just really, we're all over their message boards. We're all over Twitter. And it's like, yeah, we got your coach. Big, big deal. They don't see the big deal. But we haven't just, we haven't gone through this before. This just hasn't happened. So, of course, we're going to be mad. We're a passionate fan base. But everything I've heard in response to them, it's get over it. You mad. Ha ha. 55-19. We beat you in 2005. You suck. We're the better program. We beat you in 2004. Yada, yada, yada. And then California is better than Oklahoma. Nobody wants to live in Oklahoma. I, that's everyone's response. Nobody wants to live in Oklahoma. Oklahoma's underrated. You loafing. I like L.A., but I like Norman, too. You know? They're both cool places, so I don't. you can squash that. USC got to stop. You have not done anything since Pete Carroll left. You might have a Rose Bowl or two, but that's it. You have not done anything. You just lost to USC and didn't make a, you just lost to UCLA and didn't make a bowl game. Knock it off. You're not that nice. Wow. If that's not enough. Um um damn. Texas, Oklahoma State, they're loving it. They're rivals. They they're loving this this 
implosion. They're, they're absolutely enjoying us fall apart because we've just been in, on top for so long. They are loving it. And I'm just like, just calm down. The Texas, you're still not back. You suck. You're four and seven. Ever since you let go of that lead against us, you haven't done anything. And that's just this season. I don't I don't even know why y'all talking. Oklahoma State. Okay, you won this week and we're falling apart. That's great. You still have one more game to win. And then even if you win that game, you're going to get killed in the playoffs. And then after that, you're just going to come back to normal because Bedlam's in Norman next year and not winning that. So I just don't know why y'all having so much fun. Y'all fun is about to be over because you just, you're not that good. In the grand scheme of things, our program is way better than yours. So Kansas State tried to compare us grabbing Bob Stoops after he coached with K-State, after he coached with uh, K-State's best team ever, and us taking their recruits and assistant coaches. And I'm just like, it's just not the same. Assistant coaches always, you know, look for the next opportunity it happens. If it would have been the other way around, y'all would have told us to get over it. Like, just, just knock it off. Just knock it off. Like, y'all. Oh, boy. Your streak against us is over. You can go back to mediocrity. My man Snyder is not walking through that door. Just stop. It doesn't compare. Because this is a head coach and one of the top head coaches in the country leaving a Blue Bud program to go to a different one. This doesn't compare to Stoops leaving in the 90s. And he went to Florida before Oklahoma. So what are we talking about? Now, the trolls and the bandwagons, it's like, and people, fans of sorry teams, listen, your team's not sniffing the playoffs. They're not going anywhere. Can't tell us to get over it. You've never been at this spot because you've never been that good. Um, the rest of y'all, y'all need to just stick to watching basketball or baseball or something. Just don't worry about college football. You don't really watch it anyway. So just just stop. Just, you know, grown folks are talking. It's all right. No problem. Oklahoma will be fine. Just realize that. So now we got, so Max Scherzer is going to the Mets. So this is pretty much my worst nightmare other than Juan Soto going to the Mets. I mean, Bryce Harper going to the Phillies is fine. I mean, it's not the Mets or the Braves. It's in the division, but it's not the Mets or the Braves. Scherzer is probably my favorite Nationals player of all time, and he's with the team I pretty much dislike the most. You've got to be kidding. But this is what happens when you don't want to pay this guy. It makes sense, kind of. I mean... We got Juan Soto. We got to pay him eventually. And Scherzer is like, 
40 years old, 30 something. He got paid, he's getting paid, what, $40 million a year? Do we really want to pay a pitcher like that? But then again, I, I get it, but it just sucks that, you know, he's still pitching at an MVP Cy Young level. So if he's going to keep pitching like that for the next three years, then the, the money would have been worth it. But we didn't pay him. We let him walk. We traded him. We tanked. He ended up on the Dodgers, almost won a World Series. Now he's with the Mets, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. I know this man didn't just go to the right. My favorite player, like, oh, my God. You got to catch. We got to catch the fade. You got to catch the fade for that, bro. There's no way. There's no way you go to the Mets of all people. The only thing worse would be going to the break. But the way things are going right now, just like Grant and Danny said, you're probably going to see Soto on the freaking Braves. This sucks. Now the Mets have DeGrom and Scherzer. The only thing you have to look out for, though, is these guys staying healthy. Sometimes Scherzer is in and out of the lineup because of different injuries. And DeGrom, he was on a legendary pace to have a legendary season and he got hurt and it messed up his entire season. So I don't know if he can stay healthy, but if these two guys stay healthy, you talking about the best two pitchers in the NL on one team. Game over. This is not fair. This sucks. And who did they open up with? The Nationals. I'll be there. I'll try to be there. If tickets aren't outrageous, if ticket prices aren't outrageous, I'm going to be there cheering for my Nats. Hopefully we beat Max. I would love it. Why, man? Why? Why would he go to the Mets? And if I don't get to make it to New York, it's okay. It's okay because they're coming to D.C. the very next week. So... Ooh, there it is. April 2nd, Mets and Nationals. Tickets are dirt cheap. I'm definitely going. I got to see this, man. I mean, you. we got to get them. We got to get Scherzer up out of there. We got to. And then I got to come see the rematch when they come to D.C. So uh, I- I'm going, but it's just, man, I'm sick about Max Scherzer going to the rival. You have got to be kidding me. Anyway, man. Oh, and speaking of the MLB, uh, they had a, they're in a lockout. Apparently, everyone saw this coming but me. Damn! I was, <laughs> of course, I was last to the party. I was, you know, late to the party. I was very naive. I mean, come on. How many times has this happened where I was very naive or late to the party? <laughs> I I was supposed to read up on it, but I didn't. All I know is I might I might spit more info about it on the next show, but for now, they have plenty of time to work things out and get everyone playing. But then again, if they've been working on this for three months and still didn't accomplish anything, that makes me worry about the start of the season. So I'm talking about all this 
going to New York to see Mets and Nationals and seeing the rematch in D.C. And I just got my holiday pack for Astros Nationals. And I guess you throw in the Cubs game and the I think the Phillies too. All these tickets I'm trying to get. Think my name be playing. I'm worried about the wrong things. Are we even going to have a season? What is this about? This is where I got to do my research because I'm kind of worried that they're going to delay the start of the season or some crap like that. Uh, Just got to see. All right, let me talk about the Caps. So the Caps, they broke my heart, dog. A few nights ago, I think, no, I think it was on a Friday. It was Friday night, if I'm not mistaken. Because I wanted to go see this game. But I decided not to. I decided to do lift, as I most often do. I fade certain games to go make money doing lift. This was one of those nights. I also faded the semifinals between Quince Orchard Northwest, I believe. No, 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 no. I think this game was on a Saturday. So, yeah, I faded Wise and Flowers. That's why I faded. So, yeah. Long story short, I wasn't at that game. So I was listening on the radio, and we taking care of business. The Caps are taking care of business. It's 4-1. I'm all happy. I'm smiling. I'm laughing. I'm like, man, this team is like that. Man, we we about to beat Florida twice in a week. This supposed to be the best team in the East, but they can't beat the Capitals. Let's go. The third period happened, and them guys on the radio, it was depressing. It was depressing. The, just the more I heard them talk about the game, it, the, the worse it just became. It was 4-1. Then it's 4-2. That's fine. You give up a goal. They got to get back in it. Then they're saying that Florida is out shooting them and playing with more energy. And I'm just like, no, this is not happening. Then they get a power play goal. Then they saying it's getting worse. And Florida's like out shooting them 18 to 2. That the Caps just have no life. Then, okay, I was like, you know what? They're probably going to score again. They scored again. It's 4-4. I was like, okay, it's three minutes left. We got this. We could take this to overtime, and we can still escape Florida with a win. Dog, the power play happened. Then we got called for another penalty. I was like, yeah, we're, we're screwed. And I'm not kidding. Right after the penalty happened, two minutes later, I see the tweet that it's 5-4 Florida. And I just, it, the radio's on delay. So the Twitter is faster than the radio. So the tweet came in before the radio can announce what happened. So I just turned off the radio because I knew what was about to happen. So I knew we lost. I was like, we have no momentum. We got out shot 28 to 2. I've never heard or seen anything like that. It just makes you want to just not watch hockey anymore because that was ridiculous. Wow, Michigan beat Wisconsin. Uh, it doesn't matter. Wisconsin isn't in the championship. Anyway, unbelievable how they just choked against Florida. 4-1 lead 
and just got absolutely ran off the floor. And the next day, I think it was Garnet Hathaway, he said that the same thing happened against Carolina, but they got away and they won the game. I thought that was going to happen against Carol, um, not Carolina, Florida, and it didn't. Lost, got ran off the ice, and then they come back against the Blackhawks, a much more inferior opponent at home, choked, had a lead, choked, went to overtime, went to a shootout, choked, and lost. At least we got a point this time. But, man, what a heartbreaker. I can't do it. This cap seam is a roller coaster. Just throw away the cap cycle. I don't know what this is. This is just a roller coaster. It's turning it's turned into it's turned from a cycle to a roller coaster. And I want to get off this ride because I just know how it's going to end. At the end of the day, it's probably going to end in another first round or second round exit. And maybe 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 it is a cycle. Maybe we do come full circle here. But Jesus Christ. You got to be kidding me with that Florida loss. There's just no excuse for it. I don't care how Florida, I don't know how, I don't care how good Florida is. You cannot lose a 4-1 lead in the third period. Terrible. Unbelievable. I'm sick. We should have had them. That was ours. I don't know what the Caps are doing. And if they had won that game, they would have been at the top of the Eastern Conference. They're still in the playoffs, but Jesus, we got to quit playing. They already coming back down to earth. They got to quit doing that, man, because they're going to do that in the playoffs, and it's going to be a wrap. We're going to go home early again, and we're going to have home ice advantage. So, hey, maybe the cycle is still intact, but it's just out of whack right now. It's a little out of whack right now. It's not a perfect circle. <laughs> All right, man. Man, I'm not even going to talk about the Suns. The Suns are rolling. The Suns are rolling. They've won 18 straight. They got the Warriors again. The Suns and Warriors was the game I was looking forward to the most. And it was a close game. It lived up to the hype from the highlights I saw. But then the Suns just pulled away without Devin Booker. That is incredible. But now they got to play the Warriors again. And I don't know if they're going to win this time. But we'll see. But the way things are going, we might as well look forward to Suns and Warriors, Western Conference Finals. Those are the best two teams, period. Um, We'll see, man. And I hope Devin Booker is okay because I don't know how this team is going to look with an extended absence from Devin Booker. Anyway, man, (laughs) you already know what time it is. It's time for Psych I Lied. Oh, by the way, Merlin fired or parted ways with Mark Turgeon, and I just don't understand why. Apparently, he came up to them and suggested he step down and part ways. He felt like the time was right, but I just don't, I just don't get it. The timing is awful. Probably should have just got rid of him at the, got rid of him at the beginning of the year, or just waited till the end of the season. Don't understand, but hey, whatever. They those guys know what they're doing. 
I mean, uh, sure, they lost to Virginia Tech on Lynn Bias night. They lost to George Mason, which is unreal. Merlin losing to George Mason and it's not 2006 doesn't make sense to me. But it happened and it's bad. This is bad. This is very, very bad. So he's gone. Uh, Danny Manning is the interim coach. If they do well this season, you might as well keep them. But, you know, that's the big news in the DMV. So I don't know what they're going to do. But it's surprising to me that Merlin fired their coach or parted ways with their coach. Even if it's surprising either way, whether they initiated or Mark Turgeon, it's still surprising this early in the season when you're not even in conference yet. It's head scratching, but hey, whatever. We're going to see what they do. They got the talent to at least be top half of the Big Ten and at least be a decent tournament team. I just don't think that they would get past the Sweet 16 from the little bit I've seen. All right, for real now, it's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. So this hypothetical game of the episode is the tournament championship between the Lightning and the Dodgers. But... The game will be a Survivor puzzle challenge. I don't know if y'all watch Survivor, but, you know, them puzzle challenges be dope. You know, it's a good way to it's a good way to decide a winner of this this GOAT trophy. You you got to love it. But OK, so Tampa Bay Lightning. So we're going four and four here. So Tampa Bay, you got. Alex Killorn, you got Steven Stamkos, arguably the best player on their team. You got Mathieu Joseph, and you got Ryan McDonough. So, L.A. Dodgers, you got Cody Bellinger, Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Walker Bueller, the pitcher. I mean, you got to go with Bueller because Scherzer's gone. So, why not Bueller? Um, so, so the challenge is, the puzzle is called vertically challenge. So, okay, you climb up this structure, you got three levels, you got bags on each levels with puzzle pieces. So you get the first, come down the big slide dump the pieces, go back up to the second level, get that bag, come back down, repeat the process till you get all three bags. So once every member on the team gets all three bags, well, three out of the four members, then you put the puzzle together, push the button, and then the next, the last person of the relay or whatever you want to call it. They they throw a heavy bag of sand at their puzzle. They break it apart. They put it back together. Whoever does that the fastest wins. 
So there you go. Here we go. All right. So this is how we're starting. I'm out. I'm out to get it. I'm out to get it. All right. Okay. So the horn goes, and they all race towards the structure. They they climb up to the first level. So Trey Turner, Speedy Gonzalez gets the first bag, heads down the slide, dumps the pieces, and he goes on to the next one. Then Mookie Betts does the same thing. But through Joseph has trouble untying the bag. And then on the other side with Tampa Bay, and well, Mathu's teammate, Ryan McDonough, finally gets his first bag, heads down the slide, dumps the pieces, and then he goes up to get the second one. So Cody Bellinger gets his first, comes down the slide, trips. Trips and falls on the way to the table, but eventually gets there. So Trey gets his second bag. Mathieu Joseph finally gets his first one. So then, then Tampa Bay catches up. And so Ryan gets his second bag and Killorn gets his second bag. So now it's kind of, it's, it's getting close. But Trey Turner is a beast at this challenge. So he gets his third bag, comes down the slide, and he's just waiting for his teammates to finish. They're moving along slow. Um, Mathieu gets his second bag and dumps his pieces. So now you got all three guys working to get their third bag. And then same with uh, Mookie and Bellinger, who finally got their second bag. So now it's a race to get that third bag and to get the puzzles going. And the Dodgers get all three of their guys first, and they start working on the puzzle. And they they get it. They get it in a decent time. They beat Tampa Bay to the punch. They press the button. Walker Bueller is on the other end. He won one throw, one throw with the sand, knocks down the puzzle, and start working on it. I say about a few minutes later, Tampa Bay does the same. But it took them actually a few minutes, so Walker Bueller has had time to put the puzzle together, but he struggles. He struggles, and Stamkos has pretty much been watching him the whole time. So he studies him, he figures it out instantly and quickly puts the puzzle together and the game is over just like that. Tampa Bay wins and they win the title. They win the Golden Goat Trophy. They win the tournament. There it is. So that is the hypothetical game of the episode. Tournament. Championship. And it's a wrap. So it's a wrap for that. It's a wrap for the episode. So you already know. Psych I lie. I must announce the next two hypothetical game of the episode. So the next episode, we got the 2018 Sooners versus the 2004 USC Trojans. Kyler Murray, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart. 
CD Lamb, it, it, it's going to be nice. Then the one after that will be the 2018 Sooners defense versus the 2021 Sooners offense. Winner take all, sudden death overtime, one possession. Offense scores, they win. Defense stops them, they win. Should be fun. Looking forward to it. But for now, you already know, I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GOAT Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.